my name is Julia Reed Nichols. And I'm Kitty Katzenmill, and we have a special guest today. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us uh, an elevator pitch on what you do in the sexy world? Awesome. Well, my name is Lola Boutte. I am the founder of the Dollface Dames, LA's premier cabaret company. And then since that, I also have two other companies now, Lola Boutte Presents, which does live event productions and virtual event productions all over the world, and our private event company that does luxury events, Edge of the World Entertainment. Awesome. Awesome. And how'd you, how'd you get into it all? Oh my goodness. Uh, I moved from the East Coast. I'm an East Coast girl. And I moved out here because I love the entertainment industry. And so many years ago, I was doing a show that was doing a lot of acting and everything like that. And when SAG went on strike, I was like, I have to figure out something else to do in my time. So I got back to my theater roots and someone introduced me to burlesque. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is perfect. It's female empowerment. I get to act, dance and play a character with a lot of lingerie. I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) And it took off from there. I just started my own company. We're actually, uh, just a few days ago, we celebrated our official 12 years as a company. Yay. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's been quite the journey, but it has been amazing. And it really, the people that I've worked with over the years and the people that I met at our shows, it's been, it's been a joy and it's really changed my life. Yeah, you are the longest running burlesque show in LA now, right? Is that correct? Yes. Uh, oh, cool. for, for the other years yeah. ago, we started Trip yeah. Burlesque at Trip Santa Monica. Um, I took that over and it's been going nonstop since. And now it is called Virtual Trip Tease every Wednesday <laughs> on Zoom at 8 30. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we've kept that going. It's been an amazing opportunity because besides my dance company, um, I get to work with fellow burlesque and variety performers from not only Los Angeles, but touring performers, and now in the virtual world, everywhere. Um, so it's been great to connect and see so much talent and be able to host that and keep that going even now. So that's been great. Yeah. And I think it should be mentioned that both Julia and I, uh, at least for me, I started my burlesque career in your Yeah, well, we met. we met. We met at the audition. We yeah. did. <laughs> yeah. so, what years ago? <laughs> <laughs> that, that would have been that would have been in 2012 you so, are correct because i wrote it down i looked at facebook today to find out <laughs> the answer and i'm horrible with dates so like everything's three years behind for me but yeah 2012 <laughs> oh my god i did that too i was just inviting everyone to be a part of the 12 year anniversary and I, I'm horrible with dates too. So I had to go back through the different like cast list of the different years. I was like, oh my goodness, they've been with us that long. Like I can't even believe it. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, amazing. The how many girls people- do you, how many people did you end up inviting to the 12 year anniversary? Um, I don't even know. Well, we have, it's a full company now. So we have the doll, yeah. Dames, the doll face dudes. And so we have so many people that we wanted to invite out anyone that was, you know, a principal performer in the company and mm-hmm. we had some amazing guest stars too. So I don't even know what the, the invite list was, but you're going to see a lot of talent on January 23rd. <laughs> and how do people get tickets to that show if they want to? So it's, for our live stream shows, it's hosted on Zoom, so anyone can get tickets, um, and then there's no real limit because Zoom has the capacity for, like, a 1,000 people. Um, 
And then we also do a Lola's virtual cabaret because this time I thought it would be amazing to create like a high quality, almost movie-like experience that people can watch and cast on their TVs. So we do uh, a special every couple months show for that as well. And then that's just on Vimeo. So people get to watch it on like at their leisure. So anyone can like thousands and thousands of people can tune into that because it's just a digital link and you can cast us to your TV and watch us at home. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How has it been shifting from, because how many shows were you doing a month before the pandemic hit? A lot. (laughs) Um, Obviously the weekly Wednesday trip to use burlesque. And then we were also doing a weekly Friday show at Metal and Twist in North Hollywood. And then we had private events and monthly shows as well. So I don't even know, like 20, 30 shows uh, or events at least um, a month. And then I've definitely, I got a little carried away because when the pandemic happened, I was like, okay, I'm not going to overcommit to shows, but there's so many artists. And one of the things I really am proud of is providing an opportunity still for performers to create and share their art with the world. So I've added more and more shows, but But now it's just the weekly one triptease burlesque, um, the virtual triptease uh, every Wednesday. We do a monthly dame show, which is a live stream show um, with the dames. And then I do the Lola's virtual cabaret, which is the pre-recorded show that I do that every quarter. So that so you so you every quarter you do a virtual like one that's been pre-recorded. And then, and that's on Vimeo and then uh-huh. there are live streams via either zoom or another platform. Correct. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, that must be fun because you get to have that element of the live and the ele- one of the things I've really enjoyed in burlesque, not that I'm doing it at all yet is the, the videos because the people who have been doing the videos have gotten progressively more creative, more like, some of them are looking like they're like shot on like music videos. The yeah. quality has become so great with them. It's definitely been a different um, way to perform. And it, I really applaud the artists that have stepped up and figured out a way to still um, make it work for this kind of screen. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not the same at all. And besides our company having to pivot and do a different platform, it's all the tech behind the scenes. Like you said, now the, the videos are ridiculous. There's like editing, there's sometimes a camera crew involved and it's definitely, um, uh, a new interesting challenge for performers to figure out how to make it work for a computer screen or a television screen. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. I was having a conversation with my dad and he said that, um, what happened in COVID is COVID like accelerated a lot of things like the movies, like the fact that we now are streaming everything at home versus going to a movie theater, which was probably going to happen. But because of COVID, like when was the last time anybody went to a movie theater? So <laughs> Every, like my, my sister, uh, one of the movies she's affiliated with, she's like, oh, they're going to open in 300 screens. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of movie screens. Like, who, <laughs> who are these people who are going to movie theaters right now? Yeah, I know. Um, I do. I, I agree. Because I, I think it perpetuated burlesque. And it, it was a, in a great way that you could now 
have people from all over the world view you. Yeah. Especially like our fans that have moved away from Los Angeles. Before, if you were in LA, you had to be available that date of the show and be in the area. And now our fans from all over the world can tune in and be a part. I think it's been really nice to like reconnect with some people and um, meet new fans. And it, I think burlesque was going to go that way eventually with live streaming, but it definitely was just like, well, it's right now. You're going to do it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think you're going to keep this after live shows come back? Do you think you're going to keep some virtual elements? Yes. uh, I mean, with any live event producer, especially for like, as opposed to a private event for a live show, it's difficult to get your audience there and then to make enough money to pay your performers and keep things going. And I think this allows a way to keep that live audience that wants to come and attend a show and be there and feel the sweat and all that energy, take the glove peel. But everyone that's still at home or can't come to Los Angeles, I think it's a great way to keep that going and hopefully be able to raise more money for our performers because they work so hard. So I, th- I definitely will do, we'll at least record the show or do some kind of live stream or I already booked out the next six months. So we're at least coming to our fans online, but we will continue because I know some people are like, don't stop when everything goes back. <laughs> now uh, I know in terms of like a business platform, like you've always been a strong encourager of tipping as an extra element to get your performers paid. How does that work online? So um, it's, it's definitely something that you have to promote during the show. I do it when uh, we do our shows, we, they get an email in advance, especially like the virtual happy hours. It's a free show. And I wanted to always commit that to be a free show because I understand right now during the pandemic, a lot of people are struggling and I, I want them to still have a way that they can be and connect with us. So Wednesdays mm-hmm. will always be free. So we don't charge a cover for that show. Um, so the only way that performers make money is if our audience tips. And I think they understand that. And we re- reiterate that. And the money does go to the performers. And we emphasize that over and over again. So they can tip us Venmo, PayPal, or Cash App. Or on the Eventbrite link, there's a way that you can donate to the artist there. So you can even put it on a credit card nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> no excuses. Which is awesome because, like, back in the day when we were walking around with the hat, you know, and people would be like, oh, I don't have any cash on me. You're like, well... Yeah. Now we have all the access in the world. <laughs> yeah, we started doing Venmo and PayPal. And even like for like the girls when they're going around, they're like, if you want to put on a credit card, Lola's got square. You can go to see Lola. <laughs> but um, that was like, obviously people still mostly use cash back in the day, but now everyone obviously has to tip virtually. So it's been yeah. good. Our fans have been supporting us and we've been able to keep it going and, and give our artists something to keep them going. So it's been really I'm very blessed. That's awesome. I'm so excited. Now, out of the shows, the one that you do on Vimeo, do you produce it or do people still send stuff to you and then you host it like in front of something and introduce the clips? Does that make sense? Yes. Um, So that one is a different theme show. So last year we did um, a big kickoff. So we did it once a month. Um, so mm-hmm. we did in September, we raised money for our weekly Wednesday venue trip, Santa Monica to keep them going. That was the kickoff show in September. Then Halloween, we did one in November. We raised money for, uh, the gentle barn, which is an animal nonprofit. And then 
in December, we did New Year's Eve. So each of those are a different theme. So I give mm-hmm. the artists some direction on to what to do, but they create their own solo based on that. And then they send me the videos and then my editing team, which is fantastic. I do not do any of that. They put it all together for me and then we green screen and I host it and they host all the intros and put everything together for me. So nice. yes. Yeah. That's a lot. It's a, those are the most work. People don't understand that. Those are the most work. And we make sure that the performers really do high quality videos so that you can enjoy it like a movie on the TV. So it's a little different than our happy hour, which is casual on Zoom. You know, it's a very fully produced show. Do you have like, does it, everything have to be like 1080p on that? Mm-hmm. Is that like the yeah, 1080p or above? Yeah. So, or higher. Yeah. 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 Which has also been a way to be like a lot of performers like, wait, what? And I was like, well, normally your phone will do that naturally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Your phone will. I mean, I I think that like the iPhone 12 will do like 4K. Yeah. Yeah. The last couple of iPhones have really gotten to the point where it's insane. The amount of like level of resolution compared to like old school videos. If you watch like an old school VHS, you realize how how, like the there's it's so grainy compared to today. I mean, everything, if you go back and look at like, even our, for our company, 12 years, 12 years of history, if you go back and look at videos or photos from like way back then, <laughs> it's very different from nowadays. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm very glad tech has improved, but it's like, yeah. you said, we can do so much now on our phones, which is a good and bad thing. <laughs> Take a break right. individually, but a great thing for <laughs> when you have to do quality work. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, so what are like, other than the big show that's coming up, what are like big things that you guys are working on? Like what's your next theme for your, or is this show the theme for this quarter? So January 23rd is the official 12 years, the Dollface Dames anniversary, um, which is next Saturday. So tune in for that. It's 7 PM LA local time. I am co-hosting that with the amazing Vixen DeVille, which I think appeared on one of your shows. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll see performers past and present for the dame. So that's this month's theme. Obviously, this uh, Wednesday, tomorrow, kicks off our virtual Trip Tease 2021 series. So that will be every Wednesday. And that's our most informal. It's a happy hour. It's a one hour on Zoom. And people get to come in. We have live music, comics, dancing, singing, variety acts. And you get to actually talk with the performers and hang out. And we do an after party after to literally just check in on people and talk to, like, us one-on-one. You get to ask us questions or just hang out. So that's really just to check in with our audience and say, hello, we are here for you and keep that going. So we have that every Wednesday. And then um, for the dames after the 12 year anniversary, um, next month in February, we're doing a show February 13th, Valentine's Day weekend. It's been almost a year since the pandemic has continued. So we're actually using that to raise money for mental health. And we are getting uh, teaming up with amazing bands. So every dancer will perform to an original song composed by a local singer or band. So it's really cool. It's going to be all live music that they send in our tracks and then the performers record videos for or perform live on Zoom. So that will be our next theme. And then I do want to say a very special coming up in March is my birthday. And I always like to do a big show. (laughs) Um, You don't just celebrate your birthday. You celebrate your birthday, your birth month, your birth week, like 10 days before your birthday. Three days oh my after God, your my birthday. birthday. <laughs> I, I, I remember 
performing in the James and it was like, this would be the birthday show at Trip, And then this would be the birthday show at Britannia. And then this would be the birthday <laughs> show at Magicopolis, of course. And then we had to go out on top of it. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then, there, yeah, then there was like a birthday party and I was like, ah, this girl loves her. So there's a birthday. <laughs> if you're going to go party, you might as well enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> you got to celebrate yourself. But this year um, we are doing... That'll be the next Lola's Virtual Cabaret, the next highly produced um, movie-like show. And we are... My original concept for that show was it's been really hard, I know, on myself to learn a new platform and completely change your business because I do this full-time. So um, I wanted to honor other producers that have been making that transition and have been producing work during this pandemic. So it'll be starring all producers. And we're actually raising money for Tanya Kay who is known as the most dangerous woman in Hollywood, who was here on the episode a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, she has been with me since the beginning. I've, I've had her as a performer in my company, and she is amazing, and she was recently diagnosed with breast cancer. And obviously, without being with work as an artist, because she's a full-time artist as well, um, it's been incredibly hard with medical bills and everything like that. But she's a trooper, and she's doing great, but she needs help. So we're doing it as a fundraiser this year for my birthday to raise money for Tanya. So I would love for you guys to tune in. That will be March. If you follow us online, we'll give you all the details and it's going to be an amazing display of fellow producers performing and raising money for Tanya K. Yeah. Well, actually Tanya talked about you in her uh, interview. She talked about how the Trickies stage is such a important stage for not just her, but like a lot of people in burlesque, like a lot of us got our start, quote unquote, on, on triptease, you know? Yeah. So Trip Santa Monica is like a local West Side venue. It's a live music spot on um, in Santa Monica. And that bar has gone since we started. We've gone through two different owners, uh, both named John, actually. (laughs) (laughs) We've been there longer than anyone. Um, (laughs) But they're so supportive and they really appreciate keeping artists going. And I love that um, they've been with us through all, all the years and provided us a space, like you said, to have so many artists. I can't even, it's been thousands, thousands and thousands of artists, not any, not just here in Southern California, but when artists come on tour, that's the one weekly show that was definitely always going. So um, it's been a great opportunity. I'm very thankful for Trip Santa Monica. And hopefully they will be um, there when we can perform live again. Yes. yes. Hopefully they're applying for that save our stages money. <laughs> yeah. I, have money. Summer, I was really good. And thank you for everyone yeah. that donated for that. But yeah, definitely follow Trip Santa Monica online and support them and make sure that they're there. So when we can come back and perform, we'll be better than ever. It has been such an evolution of that space. Like, um, I, you know, I remember when it had Grateful Dead Bears all over it. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, <laughs> and when we didn't have a dressing room and we had to... Like, was like, oh, that's there was, right! There was, like, an alcove outside that we would put up fabric and yeah. change and it. Was so, and, it was, and it was so cold and drunk. <laughs> when they would be drunk, could yell into the <laughs> dressing room. Yeah. All of yeah, it. all of it's been amazing. Um, and then apparently the owner is still working on it. So even when we go back, there should be new, better things. So stay it's tuned. Amazing. But yeah, it's been yeah. quite the transition. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why it was called trip to begin with. Cause it was like a trip. Going in there. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's. And I remember like the first time I walked in and they had redone it. I'm like, wow, this place is getting nice. Like, <laughs> Still a Chicago bar for any Chicago fans. So that has stayed true. Oh, nice. yeah, now it's more of a live music, guitars on the wall, all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yes. It's, very, it's very classy now. It's very classy. <laughs> They've closed off the dressing room. <laughs> it might have even gotten bigger since you've been there, Kat, because now it's actually a pretty decent size back there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Getting, like, it was getting bigger and bigger and changes. Yeah. The first most important <laughs> one we have a wall. <laughs> and a door. A wall. <laughs> It's the little things in life. I I mean, so I always think about Britannia's changing room, that long, like, thing of <laughs> like, closet. That, yeah. But it wasn't just a closet. It was a closet with all the syrup for the, like, dispensing <laughs> machines downstairs. So you had to, like, hang your clothes on, like, it was, yeah. So whenever people are like, what can you use as a dressing room? I'm like, a closet. <laughs> like, really get anything. creative. <laughs> really, I can get creative. I, I know. Now when we perform, like when performers perform at what used to be called Magicopolis, but Illusion Magic Lounge, where there's multiple dressing rooms, so like mirrors and lights are like, oh, we're spoiled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it is so true because I swear that burlesque is like about like classing it up to the highest level while changing in like a broom closet. Because it's like, it really is like developing a fantasy in a world that is not supposed to be a fantasy world. Yeah. Uh, Like when uh, Julia, when I went on tour with Julia for pinups on tour, we were always changing in the VFW like closet with like the Santa that they would put up during Christmas time. <laughs> so I was joked. I'm like, you knew you were in a, like a, the perfect like pinups on tour venue when there was like the Santa staring at you while you were changing because you're with all the decorations. It's like Santa's wishing you well. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He's super happy. We're all here. Yeah. I think it's I'm not like a universal thing like around the world because like no matter where you go, like if you go in New York, a lot of the the venues like Nurse Betty and stuff like yeah. that are literally just a small little hallway and you cramp in and there's like venues like that everywhere. So it's, it's fun for venues from that all the way to like the main stage for less like transcends and you can do anything. You can make an act for an audience this small, or you can make it for the main stage. But I love yeah. that less that you have that difference because it's fun both ways. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, um, it, I feel like burlesque morphs so much depending on the venue. Mm-hmm. Well, even with us for our virtual shows, I tell people, I'm like, you can't, tune into a happy hour and then tune into it. Like you, every show is different. It's so different. And even week to week, it's different, but yeah, every venue sets the tone and every style of show or theme, you know, so you can yeah. never go to one burlesque show and say, okay, I've seen burlesque. It's never, it's never the same. Yeah. And, and it, and there, it, I feel like it almost frees you in some, like, uh, like Violet on the rocks and Dixon DeVille, who are both fire dancers. You like some of the stuff you're seeing, they're going in the desert and they're like, yeah. like the, lit amazingly well like and that was nothing that was something they could have never done on a stage yeah for so many reasons we have a lot of fire performers in our company and I think for fire performers they loved it because they're like I don't have to be in a venue anymore I can do whatever I want to yeah yes I love that too I'd love to see what they create because now they can use the bigger type of props that they can't use and all the spinning and all that so yeah for fire I definitely be freeing I think for performers yeah. 
Well, I actually, I mean, this is a side story, but I was just looking up at my wall. I have like a wall of photos behind my desk. And the one that's right behind my computer is a picture of you, me, and Anna Paquin. I remember when you did that and I was yeah. in New Jersey and I was so jelly. I was so <laughs> jelly because like I fucking loved True Blood and I was like, they met Anna Beckwith when I was not performing. Like That was uh, so funny. Because at that time, I had not seen True Blood. I knew what it was, obviously. But I don't watch a lot of TV. As a producer, you don't have a lot of time. So I kind of watched it at that time. But everyone freaking loved True Blood. And we when True Blood was happening for Anna Paquin's birthday. And it was so nice. And they were so sweet. Um, But everyone was freaking out. They're like, True Blood. I'm like, I haven't seen it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I actually haven't seen True Blood. But I think they're bringing it back. I think they're, like, rebooting it. Oh, Julia, you would like True Blood. I watched it during the pandemic. Yeah, you would like it. It's like lots of naked people, lots of beautiful people. I like naked people. A lot of nakedness, (laughs) vampires, and like, yeah. And it's like, it's like, it's like dirty, slightly gritty at times. Uh, Yeah. Super sexy. Yeah. Yeah. I also, one of the other fun highlights of my, I call them my like Hollywood days is when we went to Sundance and I got to give, well, I don't know if their name, I don't know their name now. What's their uh, name? Uh, I can fall away. But uh, yes, the creator uh, of Transparent. Formerly known as Jill. I think formerly Jill. known as Jill Soloway, but I don't know their new name, but giving them a lap dance is one of the highlights of my. <laughs> What's the three of them? Yes, yeah, the three of us. Let's go to Sundance because the, they want us to perform. We drove up yeah. there. We didn't even have a place to stay, but we're like, we're going to go perform and have a good time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, and you know what's so funny is last year, my sister, uh, the movie I was talking about before, uh, the poetry uh, nonprofit she works for produced a movie that was opening night at Sundance. And uh, the after party was at the same spot that we performed at. And it's still exactly the same, pretty much, minus, like, one wall. But I kept being like, yep, I changed in there, in the teeny, tiny little... Like, oh. It's Joey oh. Soloway. Joey Soloway. Joey. Joey, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that's highlight of my Hollywood days. Sundance. <laughs> Sundance was fun. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, there's been amazing adventures. Like, you know, you got us to allowed us to go to the Magic Castle. Like, uh, there's... That's true. There was so many, I, I actually was in, uh, I was in the Bay Area last week and I was talking to these guys because there's a magic theater in the next town over from where my mom lives. And I was like, oh, if you've gone to that magic theater, not during COVID, of course, but pre-COVID, I'm like, you should go to the magic castle. And he's like, you know a lot about magic. And I'm like, no, really, I don't. I just know a couple of magicians. <laughs> like, I know some like, people that do magic. Yeah. <laughs> I am not like anything magical when it comes to like, the performance of magic with top hats and all that stuff. So. But you were, yeah. you have been a musician's assistant. Yes. Yeah. I co-started with Steve um, when Magicopolis was Magicopolis and now they've sold it. And now it's amazing. They redid the theater and it's called the illusion magic lounge. Um, I've performed at the magic castle. We have several um, females in our company at, besides just the men that do magic. So it's equal opportunity. Miss Yasminka got into magic, Vixen's done magic. So yeah. Vixen's been on a uh, masters of illusion, correct? Twice, right? I think twice. 
Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. She's yeah, great. She, she is. She's great. She's great. And mm-hmm. she also has used you as a producer. I've seen. She. Yeah. Vixen and I will, or I helped her co-produce um, her Vixen 15 celebrating her 15 years in the burlesque industry um, from mm-hmm. London to LA. And uh, we are actually co-producing the mental health fundraiser next month with the dames and special guests like misspent youth um, mm-hmm. for the bands and the live music for that one. So yeah, Vixen's amazing. Her and I have ever since she auditioned, I love her. Like <laughs> we've just done so much together and she's such a sweetheart. And if you haven't checked her out, check out Vixen DeVille. She will be again, co-hosting with me in January 23rd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go no, ahead. I, I was just going to ask, what do you see yourself doing after all this stuff? Like once the world reopens and what do you see for yourself going forward? Um, I actually have a secret project in the making. Ooh, secret. I know. Um, <laughs> I, I'm working on something special. I'll just say that. Or I'm going to team up with a bunch of people um, and have all original costumes and do a, a, a basically movie for the dames. Um, but uh, it will be a scripted show. So it's not. I feel like you've wanted to do this for a while. Like yeah. I've heard about this, like, I don't know, eight years ago. Yeah. I feel like you. I mean, I always love. Yeah. Directing and I love film and that's why I bought a bunch of cameras and now we have better footage and all that stuff. And yeah, so I've directed yeah. stuff, a bunch of things, but this is like the first one that will be like a fully produced, um, concept with costume creations and sponsors and everything. And, um, it's going to be a full on variety show. It's actually not burlesque. It'll be a full on variety show. So I'm very, so stay tuned for more details. I can't tell you yet. (laughs) Yeah. That's really exciting. Well, very cool. And if people want to connect with you online, where can they do that? So definitely check out the Dollface Dames. Um, we have the website and all the social media for the Dollface Dames. But as I said, that company has expanded so much that now we have several different labels. So if you go to my name, Lola Boutte Presents, on Facebook and Instagram, you'll see additional shows besides just the Dollface Dames. And then if you have private events for big corporations, we have so many variety artists that we work with all over the world that do luxury events. So that is called Edge of the World Entertainment. But if you follow me, Lola Boutte, on all that stuff, you can send me a message and check out our upcoming shows. Again, we do virtual now. So you can have a virtual event and a performer coming all the way from Paris for you if you want. There you go. There you go. You have options. People have options. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Lola. It was nice catching up with you. I know. I miss your guys' faces. I'm so excited that you had me on. And thank you for letting me be a part of your show. Yeah, of course. And happy 12 years. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, of course. Bye. 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 Thank you. Well, that was fun. I felt like I was catching up with an old friend. I mean, I was, but... Well, I have to say that, like, overall, I feel like that's the only way to catch up with people who aren't in your bubble is to have them on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. you, see, you see them through social media, but, like, most of the time I'm talking to them, I'm talking to them because we're doing something. So at least with a podcast, we have something to do so I can be like, how are you doing? What's going on? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Oh, that must have been me. Weird.
I was hearing this like buzzing noise Mm -hmm. and I was like, is it my coffee mug against my mic? And I moved my coffee mug or was your phone ringing? No, my, uh, no. So it was this coffee mug. This coffee mug has a vibration. Sorry. My brain. I know. Speaking of which, I just dropped my phone. So (laughs) it's okay. We're technically failing, but it was lovely to talk to her. It was so great to catch up. Happy 12 years to her. Um, yeah, um, I am very excited because, uh, we have some fun stuff coming up. Like I talked about with Lola, we're going to be doing a drive-in event that we're working on. Um, the details are coming together with going to be Valentine's day weekend here in Vegas. And I'll be able to announce all of that, but it's going to be a pinups on tour show. Um, and there's going to be probably three nights. Um, Ooh, I know. So that's really exciting. Um, and then we're still working on our book. We are. We're working on our book, um, which I'm color coding right now, which sounds super technical, but it's not. It's just color coding in a way that I can see things. What it what, um, like you, you color code? What do you color code? So like, um, uh, you know, our it's a self-help book or a self-empowerment book, so to speak. And it's called Beauty is the Inside Job. And there are little words of wisdom in each chapter. And I want to make sure that each chapter has a little bit about our journey, a little bit about a burlesquer's journey, and then some universal truths. So ah. uh, I am a big fan of uh, using the highlighter when I do docs. <laughs> okay. It's like, it's like, okay, you highlight that and then you know it's there and you highlight that. And then you look, go back and you look and you're like, oh, I need more of the pink stuff in this chapter or I need more of the blue stuff in this chapter. Okay. I mean, this is why I'm writing a book with you and I'm not doing it by myself because I was just <laughs> like, yeah, like make sure the periods are there. <laughs> like, I don't know, make sure yeah. all the capitalizations are right. No, but that's good. That's exciting. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think that's like writing is the ability to either write with someone who has those, ele- has all of those elements. Like sometimes when I'm working on a piece, I go through and I like make sure all the punctuation and then you go through and you check all the punctuation. And then mm-hmm. sometimes you look at it more on like a thematic point like um I remember I had a teacher in improv and he's like you know sometimes you have to be a tree person and sometimes you need to be a forest person sometimes you need to go up and look down and then sometimes you need to be on like very very specific details yeah no I mean I'm I'm grateful for both of it um yeah and I'm excited for that that's going to be coming out around Valentine's Day if everything runs on track for that uh, that's yep. the plan also for Valentine's Day pinups on tours offering boudoir shoots here in Vegas um, you do have to be yeah you do have to be here in Vegas um, we can do them in your hotel room in our studio or um, in your house whatever makes you feel most comfortable but we're offering that and you can check all that out on the social medias at pinups on tour. And Kat, I, oh, what? I was going to say, and how is the OnlyFans page going? Oh, the OnlyFans is good. It's coming along. It's fun. It's a great place to connect. If you're on OnlyFans, uh, you can find us pinups after dark. Um, mm-hmm. The girls are posting all kinds of cool, like, fetish videos and burlesque videos, and they're really getting into it and having a good time, so... Um, and there's a lot of, um, like, full-length burlesque shows on there that people can watch as well from ah. different edited content. Yeah, so there's fun stuff on there. If people want to check it out, Pin Ups After Dark. And then, Kat, I saw you were featured in a cuddling article. 
I was. What's that about? Uh, so this was, uh, this girl found me on the internet as, you know, the it magic, the magic <laughs> of the internet worked out. Um, and she was a girl who, uh, she's a writer in Texas, uh, getting her journalism degree at Austin and she wanted to do a piece on cuddling and she reached out to me and we had two really lovely conversations about it. Um, and one of the things I really liked about it was that there wasn't a lot of judgment involved because like it's the thing about cuddling is it's new and that's one of the things I say over and over again I'm like it's weird because you've never done it if we grew up in a society where it was normal it wouldn't be weird it would be like instead of getting a massage you're feeling sad you need to go cuddle somebody and then you feel better at the end of it so um it's kind of exciting because like I don't know about your newsfeed, but my newsfeed in the last week, all of my friends who are doctors and nurses are now getting their vaccinations. So it's mm-hmm. like you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. You can see yeah. like people starting to like I like one of my friends uh, two days ago, she's a nurse in the Bay Area and she got her second vaccination, which means she's like at um I don't know, it it goes up, I guess, but like, you know, she's like at 75% right now which is like awesome because it means like we don't have to, we have the opportunity to be more of what we want to be in life versus like being stuck at home all alone. Cause nobody wants to be alone. We all want to connect. And it's just, yeah, it's nice to see the light at the end of the tunnel where we can reconnect with people, not just virtually, but in person. Yeah. It looks like, um, I'm I'm still kind of in this phase where I'm like shocked that I'm even in this tier, but it turns out I, the work I do at UNLV puts me in a tier of like educators. Oh, okay. Nice. (laughs) Why don't you explain what you do at UNLV for those who don't know? Yeah. So I work with uh, the simulation center, the medical simulation center at UNLV Um, And they work with several different colleges, including UNLV's med school, and there's a couple nursing programs and things. Um, And I help train the doctors by being a simulated patient and running encounters with them and then giving them feedback based off of going through the encounter. Um, it basically we're the human guinea pigs. They get to like do the bad bedside manner on first or the good bedside manner. Some of them are great right off the bat. Um, I, you know, I think one of the great things about it, though, is it's taught me how to, like, communicate more effectively and ask questions and how to be my own advocate when I'm in yeah. a doctor's office. Because I used to think doctors had this, like, knowledge of everything. They, they don't know it unless you tell them. They literally yeah. don't know it unless you tell them. So That's if so you... Fair. You need to go in there and be your best health advocate. Um, And that's one thing this job has taught me. But because we work closely with the students, I guess I'm considered an educator. And that was surprising to me. I guess I never considered myself an educator. Which is really funny because I feel like you educate everybody. All the time. You must learn. You must learn. You must grow Um, and expand. But speaking of growing and expanding, let's go to our first story. I thought this one was hilarious. What are we saying? We're starting with the Denmark's children's show, (laughs) Growing and Expanding. Did you not get that lead in? 
I, 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 I did. I did. And now I got it. It's, uh, um, okay. Okay. I just had to segue from personal stuff to the point where we talk about the articles. So yes, we're in the articles now. And we're talking about the Denmark children's show. You found this in the guardian and I, I was shocked. I was shocked. It's let me let, I'm going to, you can tell people what it is. Yes. Okay. So by the way, like, I think that the precipice to this is that like the, the for anyone who has not been to Europe, Scandinavian countries don't have all the hangups that America does or even Great Britain. And this article came out of the guardian, which is Great Britain. Um, like they just, everything, it seems like, you know, I spent some time in the Netherlands and like the people from like Denmark and the Netherlands seem like a very matter of fact about things that is very taboo in the world of more uh, puritanical cultures like America and Great Britain. So there is a children's show that has just premiered. It is for- I was like, that's a lot of context. (laughs) That's the the context. But like there is this children's show that has premiered and it's for four to six-year-olds in Denmark. And it's on the equivalent of what is like the BBC. So it's a national, it's a national channel. It's not like this is a taboo channel. This is like a general channel. And it is about a man who has a giant penis that gets into shenanigans. That's the best way to explain it. And it's a cartoon. It's a, and it, yeah. It's an, it's an animated series about a man who literally can't control what his penis does. Yeah. Like, and his penis does good things and bad things. So it will perform rescues it uh, will etch murals. It will hoist a flag, but like he can't control it. So it does stuff that are sometimes good and sometimes bad. And sometimes he gets in trouble for doing stuff with his penis. And sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's just, it's so, uh, it's, it's just so different than where we grew up. Cause we both grew up in America and we're like, what the fuck is this? This is insane. Well, people have pointed out critics of the show have pointed out that in the me too era is it really such a great idea to propagate to children that they're controlled by their genitalia and they just can't help what their penis does is that really a message you want to perpetuate with children but and i'm gonna i'm gonna play devil's advocate on this which is like i have a group of girlfriends and one of my girlfriends who's like super like sweet she had two boys And like, she's like, they constantly fondle the balls. They constantly play with their penises. It's like a thing that little boys do that like, you know, it's, it, and that's, that's why it's for four to six year olds. It's not for like a 14 year old. It's like, Hey, saying like, Hey, this isn't part of your body. That's going to be fucking weird and go in weird adventures. And you have to learn to control it. And I think that's kind of the gist that they would, and it's silly because, like, I don't know if you've spent a lot of time around 10-year-olds or 8-year-olds, but they think bodily functions are fucking hysterical. Like, every article is about pooping and peeing and, like, is and that's, like, what Captor Underpants is all about is, like, you know? Yeah. Not, it's, it's something that, like, if you're designating for a certain gender, makes a lot of sense. But, like, if you haven't grown up in a culture where it makes sense, you're just, like, it's almost like system overload. You're like, this is too weird. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's one of those things where the Danish broadcasting channel that this is on DR, I think it's called, yeah. it, it has several other kind of 
I, I also think it's just a sense of humor issue too. I mean, I think people just are more uptight in America, like you said, because they have a kind of a, a string of shows that seem inappropriate. They even had one show that presents children ages 11 to 13 um, in front of a panel of nude adults, which is just weird. I don't fully know the context. The article doesn't state that. But clearly this network enjoys pushing boundaries. But I don't know how those boundaries even feel if you're in um, Denmark, right? Like, do they even feel like the boundaries? Like, is it weird that it's on television? Or is it just weird to somebody looking outside the fishbowl? Exactly. That's what I I don't know. Because their comment on it was really the most important thing is that children like John Dillerman. Like, yeah. they're like, really the most important thing is that the kids enjoy the show. Why do you care if there's a penis in it or not? Right. And uh, by the way, for those who are not in, who don't speak Danish, Diller means penis in Danish. So Diller man is penis man. Yes. So this is the penis man show. And I'm sure there's more on it online if you want to dig in. Like we said, this was an article from The Guardian, but... Um, it definitely <laughs> makes you think about our children's television. Imagine Sesame Street with like a Jim Henson like penis puppet. Oh my golly! I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it's so funny because which one's right? You know, like is it is it better for people to feel weird about a body part, or is it better to teach kids four to six that like, hey, this is a weird part of your body that's gonna. Like, I mean, if you were a little girl and you watched a show about a vagina that explained all the weird things that your vagina would do, would you have a different philosophy about it as part of your body later in life? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to see. I don't know if you want to be told all that at a young age about your vagina. But maybe, maybe it's the way to educate kids to like teach them from the beginning. It's, it's very interesting because like, you know, I did a lot of babysitting earlier in my life, like as I was an actor and like, I was always fascinated by like sitting around like a table and having parents like be very uh, matter of fact with kids that were like three or four. And they'd be like, this is the case, you know, like boys have a vagina, girls have a, like, boys have a vagina, girls have a vagina. Boys have a vagina. <laughs> And and I mean, like, you know, I wasn't a super, I wasn't raised in a super Christian environment or anything like that, but like there was a lot of decorum in my family where we didn't really talk about a lot of that stuff. And also I grew up in a family of females and because I grew up in a family of females, like, I think there's something when you grow up with like some male influence, because like you, you kind of see behind the curtain of that sex Whereas, like, if you just grow up with, like, a lot of people of the same sex, you don't get to see the other aspect, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. it makes sense. It yeah. makes sense. Speaking of uh, early childhood thoughts, move into our next article. This one I thought was really interesting because it's kind of a continuation of our conversation with Step. We were talking yeah. about how uh, a lot of times people in BDSM are even more self-aware and more mentally healthy. Um, But the perception can often be that they must be damaged or have suffered some kind of trauma in the past. And you found um, an interesting new study on it. Yes. And this is from Big Think. Uh, um, I cannot actually remember what country this article was based on, but there was two questionnaires that they did in regards to BDMSM. BDSM. 
Um, one was what they called the B BTQ and one which was called the RQ. And the BTQ is brief trauma interview. And this was people would identify as BD BDSM and they would ask that questionnaire and then they would ask the RQ questionnaire. And the brief trauma interview is like, were you, were you molested? What, what, you know, did anything happen to you when you were a kid? And then the RQ is about your relationship questionnaire. And that has to do with the levels of attachment, which this is the second time I've heard this this week. And I think we should really talk about this on the next podcast, which is that there are the, what they've defined as like the four levels of attachment. Mm -hmm. um, which go from secure to anxious. And it's like you, when you're in a relationship, this is like your default. Um, the best, of course, is secure. And then, of course. Of course. <laughs> you know? of course. And, then, and then there's like the person that's like aloof. And then there's the person that's like super anxious and needy. That's like, and then there's a version of it. So yeah. with, with the BDS practitioners, they uh, asked about the BQ and the BTQ, which is the brief trauma interview. And they found that people who identified as BDSM had no relationship pretty much to the BTQ, which means that they weren't traumatized in any way. Um, and, you know, they were just pretty much like on par uh, statistically with people who like weren't, you know, it's not that th they were traumatized or not. It's that they were pretty much on the same level. Um, in terms of the RQ, which is the relationship questionnaire, which we were talking about with the secure versus like the anxious, mm -hmm. uh, BDSM secured uh, a dominantly uh, secure attachment style, which means that like the majority of the people who are in DBS BDSM are not are not so much uh, divergent. They actually are like, yeah, I'm totally secure in my relationship because like I'm into this and you're into this and I understand what a relationship is. It's a give and take and all those basic things that you have in a relationship pattern. The one exception was when it came to in BDSM, I think we're all pretty much well versed on the idea that there's a dominant, there's a submissive, and then there's a switch who plays between the two. Mm -hmm. And with a dominant they were always pretty much secure in their relationship style. Whereas like when you had a, someone who was submissive, they were, had a tendency to be anxious in their relationship style, which would make sense because the archetype of someone who's anxious is that they're looking for feedback Approval. from somebody else. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, yeah. So yeah. I was like, this, all this makes sense completely. All of it makes sense. Yeah. Well, the article goes on to say that uh, a lot of times people with BDSM report uh, being more mindful during sex, more aware during sex. Um, they're like psychopathology is actually healthier in a lot yeah. of ways. So I think there is something to be said about this concept of when you start exploring the parts of your brain that other people don't allow themselves to explore that a lot opens up to you and you might not like some of the things you explore, but once you try it and you know, well, then that question isn't there anymore. And isn't it right. kind of helping to know yourself, you know? Right. Like in sex in the city, they at one point talked about, cause I just watched this again on Graham Norton, uh, the trisexual, which is someone who tries anything once to figure out whether or not they like it. And like the nice thing about people who are into BDSM is that they, are the equivalent of a trisexual because they've tried it to figure it out. You know, there yeah. are a lot of people who like are intrigued by something, but they're like, no, I don't, you know, because of 
my conditioning, I've been taught that this is bad. So I'm never going to touch it, whatever it is. And in reality, nothing's good or bad. It's whatever you deem works for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about, you know, the kink world is that it's like, whatever you're into, you're into. And I'm happy you found something that makes you happy. But speaking of sex in the city, like some of the best news I've ever heard, they're doing a reboot. They are. They are. I have to say. casting? They need to hire me. They need to hire me. I will be the sex podcaster, like the next generation of Carrie. Hire me, please. Actually, that has more reality than you think it does, because I'm sure they're going to have to push it out. So, like, we could start the campaign right now. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I want the inside track, and I'm I'm one of the only sex podcasts in town right now. So Come on, guys. Come Come on. on. I'll I'll talk about all the things. What do you want to know? What do you want to know? Yeah, uh, no, wait, I'm very excited. Um, it's going to be exploring life and friendship in the 50s. Um, you, the article you found was on Bustle, um, but it's been all everywhere. over. All everywhere. Over. All over yeah. everywhere. Yeah. I have um, to say, I was delighted when you sent the link to that in our uh, podcast email because, like, the amount of exclamation points you put after sex. <laughs> Seven. I was like, oh, she's super excited about that one. Super excited. I mean, I vividly remember walking down the streets of New York City in my pink mm-hmm. little dress in my heels thinking I want to be Carrie Bradshaw. And now I'm in my 30s and dating and talk about sex all the time. And my life is super fabulous. And I do have like great clothes and friends and all that stuff. So I'm pretty close, I think. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. So uh, when I was in college, I went, I went to college in Boston, but the majority Mm -hmm. of my friends lived in the tri-state area. So we would always meet up in the city uh, during the holidays. And um, we were obsessed with sex in the city. And one day we were walking, like it was, it was like somewhere around, like, I'd say like six or seven, we had gone out to dinner and I think we're going to like a bar afterwards. And we saw Sarah Jessica Parther and Matthew (laughs) Broderick, like they, they like, we turned a corner and they were there and it was when they had just had their first baby and they were like walking it in like a $1,500 carriage, you know, like that really, really fancy carriage. And we were all like, oh my God. And we followed them for like three days. Oh my God! You're admitting oh to stalking Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh my golly! Oh my golly! And we were like so amazed by it, you know. And we were like, "Well, it's oh very, it's, it's very a, it's exciting." A- they are going to be filming it, obviously, in New York City. Yeah. Um, and I think they're going to release it later this year. Is the plan maybe uh, right? So, so they're doing 10 episodes. Um, it might be later 2021 or even early 2022. Um, I do know with the small correspondence that I've had with people who have worked on TV shows or movies, like on a professional level, they're actually getting shot during COVID that like Mm -hmm. so much of it is like, they don't have specific targets anymore because they never know if they're going to have a uh, COVID outbreak. Yeah. 
you know, it's like they'll, they'll start a movie and then like a month in it, like it's shut down. So then it's like, well, we're going to have a kind of like moving target because like, who knows? Um, (laughs) And also the, the, the name is changing. Oh, what's the name going to be? Oh, what's it? Yeah. I believe it's called just like that. It's not called sex in the city. Um, because it's, I don't know if it's because it's about 50 people in their fifties and most of the people on the show are married. Right. Because Charlotte, when we last saw these characters, they were all married. Right. Because Samantha's yeah, not well, I, I think it's supposed to be like, and just like that, their whole life is completely different, you know, like right. that kind of concept. Yeah. But speaking of completely different, it doesn't sound like Samantha Jones is going to be making it. No, no. Um, Kim Cattrall has been very clear that she does not want to be involved in this project. Um, so, you know, it's, but that being said, that does not mean that the character is not going to exist. It just means she's not going to play the character. So that character could be off screen. You could reference it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they're going to have, they're going to have to give us something in the, you know, first part. What What's that before the inciting incident when it's all setting everything up? Exposition. Yeah. Exposition in the exposition, they're gonna have yeah. to tell us what happened to Samantha. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, I find it very interesting. Not that I'm watching a lot of television that's like network based, because like I primarily mm-hmm. like watch on Netflix and stuff like that, and Hulu. Like I just watched Ted Lasso last week, and I was become obsessed with it. And um, it's very interesting to me the people who are doing COVID and the people who are not doing COVID. Like some of them are like, oh, this is, we're going to focus on it. And this is reality. And this is what it's like. And other Mm -hmm. people are like, no, this is a fantasy. Like it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. You know, same thing. I was watching law and order SVU love law and order SVU. Um, but they've decided to acknowledge it. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but they're not acknowledging it for the characters that are speaking. So they're not making the characters who are speaking wear a mask. So it's just mm. all the characters in the background have masks on. Oh, that's like, very interesting. But not the characters who are speaking. Um, so all like the jury will have masks on. But if people are giving testimony or or if they're the lawyer, they are. And I was like, I guess I guess that was the producer's way of being like, we can't make people look at masks all season. Like we just can't. Like, but we have to acknowledge. Right. Like, so, so my dad, uh, who I live with part of the time, he mm-hmm. is very into the news. I am not into the news. But, like, one of his biggest complaints is that, like, they have somebody standing in front of, like, the Capitol building and they have a mask on because they're trying to prove something. They're trying to say, like, wearing a mask is good and all that stuff. But he's like, they are 25 feet away from anybody. Why do they have to have a mask? Like, they're on <laughs> <laughs> And he's always complaining. And I'm always like, well, you know why they're doing it. And he's like, it doesn't matter. I need to see their faces. And I'm like, why do you need to see their faces? Like, <laughs> It's true. It's, it's definitely a weird world. And this week was an interesting one for sure. So yeah, I'm grateful to live in our sex positive, lovey dovey bubble that we're in. <laughs> yeah. for sure for sure right? yeah um, 
Well, that's really all I have this week. Do you have anything else, Kat? No, no. I'm pretty much good. I'm pretty much okay, good. Pretty much good? Pretty much good. Uh, make sure to watch Lolo Boutet's uh, January 23rd. Dolphy's Day. Yes. That's 12 years. That's me and Kat would not exist today as a pairing if it wasn't for her. So watch the show. Um, if you want to check out our past videos, if you want to just look us up online, wttburlesque.com. We're on all the social medias and YouTube at WTT Burley. Please find us in iTunes, rate us, like us, uh, give us reviews. It makes our heart all warm and fuzzy. We love to see that. Um, But what's better than sex, Kat? Mm, Nothing. Nothing! But we're going to keep trying to find out. Until next time. Yes. Bye. What would you think if I say out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song And I'll try not to sing out of key I get by with a little help from my friends mm, I get high with a little help from my Gonna try with a little help from my friends What do I do when my love is away? Does it worry you to be alone? How do I feel by the end of the day? Are you sad because you're on your own? Get high